Alright, and welcome to the Raw is Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, and today we hit episode 36, which just staggers me coming up to that to see how far along we've come in such a short period of time and of course thank you all for listening and for today's episode number 36 we're going to go back in time again to 1996 the january 29th episode of both raw and nitro and two monumental episodes i think you'll both agree these ones are raw coming to us from stockton california drew a 2.4 buy rate And Nitro, coming to us from Canton, Ohio, drew a 2.8 buy rate. So it's still interesting to watch the swing backwards and forwards here. Last week, Raw won the ratings battle, and I felt Nitro was a stronger show. And maybe the ratings swing back in the other direction sort of indicate that a lot of people had the same feelings at the time. Now, before we get into the meat and veg of the episode, I'm going to change things up just a tiny bit here today and throw a plug at the start of the episode. If all of you could go to randomnightraw.wordpress.com and my buddy on Twitter, Dan Barker, is writing a review of a random episode of Raw. Uh, I'm not quite sure what system he's using to draw it out, but you can ask him that on Twitter as you go to read the blog. Um, And I read the first one last week. Very, very interesting read. I won't give it away. Go and check it out and see for yourself. But well worth a read if, like me, you love going back and checking out this retro stuff when it comes to the WWE. WWF for me, if you'll never get used to that change and accept it. Uh, but definitely go and check it out. Um, I highly recommend it. And pretty much every time I've pointed you in the direction of something else to listen to or read or check out, you've come back with glowing reviews. So do me a favor and trust my judgment on this one and check it out for me. Speaking of trusting judgment, one final note. Um, Normally I do all the plugs and stuff at the end of the episode, but we are desperately trying to get some more reviews for the podcast. So if you know anyone that would be happy to leave us a review, you have a partner who leaves a phone on the couch and you can steal it for two minutes, or you've left us one in an old account and you have a new account, please go and leave us another review. We're certainly trying to get that message out there still. Um, We've had listens in, I think, over 100 countries now, but the reviews are still a little bit light. So if you could help us out there, it would be greatly appreciated. Without any, without any further ado, we're going to head over to Nitro first and see what they had to offer on this occasion. So as mentioned earlier, Nitro comes to us from Canton, Ohio. The commentary team are Eric Bischoff, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and Steve Mongo McMichael, with Pepe tonight dressed as what appears to be Count Dracula. The commentators begin the show by hyping up the big Ric Flair-Hulk Hogan match, the Macho Man Randy Savage versus a giant world heavyweight title match, and the return of a very special tag team. The first match on the card is fuck Hulk Hogan not taking the main event off March. Is something about to change? Is Hulk Hogan about to retire his crown for dick move of the week? Let's find out. As the guys make their entrance, of course, Eric Bischoff tells us that Kevin Green's Pittsburgh Steelers did lose the Super Bowl to the Dallas Cowboys. That'll teach him to be on Nitro the week before the big game, I guess. And the Hulkster comes out to a pretty good pop, I've got to say here, um, with a host of women and then Miss Elizabeth, woman of course, once again in the entourage of women that comes out at the first. The match begins with Hulk Hogan powering Ric Flair off repeatedly, no-selling some chops, and then nailing him with a backdrop and three clotheslines, the last of which sends him outside the ring. From here it's your usual fare, a bit of outside brawling, Hogan no-selling some strikes before Ric Flair comes back with the chop block, and we go to our first commercial break. 
The Hulkster catches Flair up top in a pretty common spot to send him off with a press slam, and it's at this point in the match I notice Flair has a really hideous lump on his back. I'm wondering if it was some sort of staph infection or something like that. Really, truly disgusting, though. Flair then hits a knee drop, which again, Hogan no-sells. He can't seem to hit two moves in a row that affect the Hulkster here. Uh, then takes his patented flip across the corner off an Irish whip, gets clotheslined off the apron, and they brawl around the outside a second time, allowing Jimmy Hart to get some cheap shots and a choke in on Hogan. When they get back in the ring, Flair puts on his figure four, and the crowd are up with a bit of a Hogan chant here. Um, he gets out of it, no-sells some strikes, and then Ric Flair nails him with a back suplex for a two-count, but the Hulkster pops up and goes through his standard Hulk-up routine, the big boot and the leg drop, but Jimmy Hart jumps on the apron and distracts the referee. Arn Anderson slides into the ring and gets nailed. Jimmy Hart then grabs a hold of Liz at ringside allowing Anderson to steal a shoe off Miss Elizabeth. Yes, you heard that correctly. Slide it into Ric Flair, who nails Hogan with the point of the heel, of Elizabeth's heel, and picks up the one, two, three in a holy shit moment. Ric Flair just beat Hulk Hogan on Nitro with a pin. Um, yeah, some underhanded tactics, but even still, the Hulkster would normally no-sell the shit out of that, so things might be changing here. Let's find out. Before we throw to a commercial break, of course, Macho Man does come out and check on the Hulkster, and I've got to be honest, he's bleeding a gusher from that eye, so um, some really awesome work there by Flair and Hogan to make that look so legit, and of course then we do go to that commercial break. When we come back from the commercial, we're treated to the lineup for this week's WCW Saturday Night. Hurry up and put them on the network, please. And we're going to see Dean Malenko up against Ric Flair. That would be awesome. Lex Luger up against Eddie Guerrero. Also some potential there. An appearance by the public Sting, the Giant, and Kevin Sullivan. And don't forget, that's 6.05 Saturday Night on TBS. <laughs> As you've no doubt figured out, it's a return of the Road Warriors on WCW Monday Nitro, and they're going to face the faces of Fear, Meng, and the Barbarian. I still find it a little bit odd looking back at this period of time that Meng is so much bigger than the Barbarian, considering the role reversal when they were back in the WWF. Before the match even gets underway, we have a huge LOD chant. The Road Warriors are definitely still over here. Animal and Barbarian start off, and they jockey for strength. Uh, Barbarian unloads with a big boot before Animal fires back with a pretty nice looking power slam. Hawk and Meng come in next, and Meng hits Hawk with a pile driver, which puts Hawk down for approximately 0.2 seconds. Hawk is actually on his feet before Meng has finished delivering the pile driver. He no-sells it that badly here. He then fires back with a power slam and a fist before Animal comes in and gets caught in the heel corner and double team for a little while, including a nice double headbutt, which garners a two count. Barbarian puts him in a backbreaker for a two count, and Meng hits a nice sidewalk slam for a two count. Barbarian comes back in and nails Animal with a huge powerbomb as well in this period during the match. But at least Animal is selling the heel offense here and not making them look like jobbers. Barb then hits a second rope shoulder block, which gets a two count, before going up and hitting a second second rope shoulder block, but eating a clothesline as he flies off the ropes by Animal. This allows a hot tag to Hawk, who comes in and unloads with a couple of big boots and a couple of big clotheslines as well. 
Meng, however, saves the Barbarian from being hit with a Doomsday device, and then Barbarian hits Animal with a pile driver. He takes a long time to execute it before just sort of actually going ahead and doing the move, and pretty quickly after we find out why, because it was a little bit of a botch to the ending here. He then picks Animal up, has a look around, spots Hawk in the other corner, and picks him up for a pile driver facing that way, allowing Hawk to come off the top rope with a clothesline and the Road Warriors to get the win on their re-debut to Nitro, and a really successful sort of come back here a hard-hitting matchup against a couple of big guys and it was just what the crowd wanted to see they were definitely hot throughout this one coming out of that we go to a commercial break and when we come back it's time for mean gene oakland to interview kevin sullivan and hugh morris sullivan's talking about arn anderson in his very thick boston accent and this brings arn and brian pillman down to the ring Arn talks about respect and how he's going to teach Brian Pillman some respect, starts to take off his belt insinuating that he's going to give him a bit of a whipping, but Hugh Morris and Kevin Sullivan attack the both of them. Pillman's knocked outside the ring initially and then watches on sort of pretending to be hurt as Arn gets a double team beatdown. The heels then go and grab Pillman and start to beat down him and Arn does make the save, chasing them off, then getting on the mic and demanding a tag match with them at some stage. Pillman's being a bit of a thorn in the side of Anderson here, and there's some really good simmering tension between Pillman and Kevin Sullivan as well. Um, thinking ahead to where that one ends up, I'm very fascinated watching this all unfold in front of my eyes here. We then go to our next contest, which is Medusa up against Sherry Martell. Sherry comes into the ring and goes to cut a promo with Gene, but Medusa flies off the top rope and nails it pretty much straight away before they go to the outside for a little bit of outside brawling, including a vicious suplex on the floor by Medusa. Sherry definitely shouldn't have been taking bumps like that at this point, but hey, it's still very cool to see. As the match is going underway, Bobby Heenan wonders exactly where the Colonel is, and we're trying to figure out which one of these is going to end up being his fried pie. Medusa comes off the top rope with a body press, but Sherry rolls through, hooks a leg, and gets the 1-2-3, but the victory isn't where it ends. Medusa then grabs a hold of Sherry and hits it with more than likely the most vicious German suplex I've ever seen in my life, and then repeatedly slams her head into the mat, seemingly knocking Sherry unconscious. So, a very violent segment with the women, and it makes me want to see more, so fair play to both of them. We have the last commercial break of the night, and then it's time for our main event. Macho Man Randy Savage defending his title up against the Giant. Giant's in the ring, and Macho sneaks up on him from behind with the title, nailing him with the title and locking in a sleeper as the referee calls for a bell. Not sure whether he's starting or ending the match at this point. As Ric Flair comes out with a chair, and it's pretty obvious the match isn't going to go ahead, the two heels begin to beat down the Macho Man in a two-on-one attack. Some slams, some backbreakers before the Giant puts him up for the big choke slam. He puts him up for a second choke slam, but a heavily bandaged Hulk Hogan comes out with a chair, chasing off the heels, and then one after one, the Dungeon of Doom appear in the ring to eat chair shots from Hogan before deciding they're going to make a move towards the back. Flair heading up towards the commentary table and cutting an indecipherable promo. Um, really poor stuff from Flair going on about Macho, about Hogan, about the title, about two cages. I've no idea what this is at that point, so not really sure what's going on. Jimmy Hart and the Giant both come in, and to be honest, neither of them do a better job either. And then the show ends with Hogan with one eye helping Savage to the back. A bit of a cold, flat ending considering this angle sort of looked like it was going to build pretty well during this night. So, very interesting there. Well, I really want to see where it heads anyway. And also now I want to see where Raw heads and if it can beat the competition. So, let's go and have a look. World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Tonight! 
in action, the 1996 Royal Rumble winner, the incredulous Shawn Michaels versus the 641-pound two-time WWF champion, the mighty Yokozuna. Tonight, we revisit the single most history, the attack on the beloved Gorilla Monsoon by the man they call Vader. Will Vader get away with it? And who will be named to fill the shoes of the convalescing president? Tonight, in action, all seven feet of a black bluff merciless monster by the name of Diesel, battling an even more black-hearted British bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Tonight, despite the threat of legal action against the WWF, we proudly present the latest from Billionaire Ted. All that and more tonight on Monday Night Raw. As you can probably tell, this one's looking like a pretty big deal, this episode of Raw. And, of course, we are going to see the return of Billionaire Ted on top of all the action. So, this is going to be pretty interesting. We do, however, open up with a match that has been described in many ways. And, probably more importantly, by Vince McMahon as horrible the last time we saw it. And that's a British Bulldog up against Diesel. So, let's see if they can improve on what was a pretty low bar. When the match gets underway, Diesel starts off with a lot of corner offense, clotheslines, knees, elbows, um, the typical Diesel moveset, before hitting a slam on Davy Boy and clotheslining him outside of the ring. Bulldog, however, gets a hold of Diesel's leg and wraps his leg around the ring post, and that's where he starts to base most of his offense early on in the match. Diesel chants firing out from the crowd, and they appear to be into this a little bit as we go into a slugfest early on. The Bulldog gets control and locks in a leg lock, and Yokozuna comes out to ringside as we go to a commercial break. Yoko gets a cheap shot on Diesel when we come back, and the Bulldog just keeps working away on Diesel's leg, trying to wear him down. Bulldog then removes a turnbuckle pad. Diesel reverses Bulldog, throwing him into it though, and then picks him up and snake eyes him onto the exposed buckle as well. Jim Cornette distracts the referee, however. Yoko comes in and attempts to leg drop Diesel, who was pinning the Bulldog, but Diesel gets out the way. Yoko nails the Bulldog with a leg drop, allowing Diesel to get the 1-2-3 and pick up the win in a match that they mercifully kept short and was pretty much all action, so no complaints from me whatsoever. As we go to Doc Hendricks for an In Your House rundown, who throws to a pretty standard Bret Hart promo before throwing to the meat and bones of what we all came to see as far as promos go. Let's check it out. Now back to the billionaire Ted business. Recently, a Turner Broadcasting Systems official telephoned the World Wrestling Federation on January 17th and expressed his delight in the broadcast of the billionaire Ted vignettes. However, this letter sent by the same Turner Broadcast System official is now threatening legal action against the World Wrestling Federation. We here in the World Wrestling Federation stand ready to fight for our rights, our company, and for you, our fans. And besides, you asked for it, so you've got it. Here's the latest on Billionaire Ted. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have, a, I have a statement I'd like to read. Uh, contrary to what the World Wrestling Federation may like you to believe, I am not a hillbilly and I don't wear cheap suits. Now, question, please. Yeah, who's got uh, right, right here, yeah. Billionaire Ted, isn't it true you and your $4 billion conglomerate are trying to put the World Wrestling Federation out of business? I'm not going to answer that question. Next question. 
yeah. Right here, yeah. Billionaire Ted, is it true you provide double the programming of the WWF, yet you purposely undercut their advertising rates? Why? 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 Yeah, all right. Um, I'm not going to answer that question either. The facts speak for themselves. Next question. All right, all right, right here, right over here. Billionaire Ted, yeah. isn't it true time imitation of Monday Night Raw, head to head with Raw to hurt the WWF? Yeah, you're, uh, you're a pretty smart fella, aren't you? Yeah, good. Next question. Billionaire Ted. Yeah, young lady, you. Billionaire Ted. Since you own networks, isn't it true you could have placed your primetime wrestling show on at another time? Or even another night of the week? Don't you think the fans would have preferred that? Well, you know, you're, you're a pretty smart reporter, too. Hey, hey listen, why, why don't y'all come work for me? You know, I, I own a news network, too. You'd be great. It's, uh, next question. Billionaire Ted. Uh, yeah, yeah, right back here, yeah. So let's face it, Billionaire Ted, you really don't care about the fans. You're just trying to run the WWF out of business, aren't you? Well, it's like I told Rupert Murdoch, I'll squish him like a bug. Yeah, all right. Next question. Right, right here, yeah. Gotcha, man. Speaking of squishing someone like a bug, who do you think is gonna win your match with the Huckster at WrestleMania? Ooh, thinking, thinking, thinking. Wait, brother. It's in my contract with Billionaire Ted that I never lose. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, yeah. Oh, look at Yeah, let's uh, listen. Why don't we uh, take another question real quick here? Yeah. All right, yeah, right, right over here. Yeah. Billionaire Ted, back to the question of greed. What wouldn't you do to put the WWF out of business? Well, I won't use my own money. I mean, that'd be just out of. Why, 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 I, I want to say, is something wrong or what? Uh, uh, Jane, Jane, where's my lithium? In case you're wondering who the executive Doc Hendricks was referring to there, the letter was flashed on screen and it was signed at the bottom by none other than Eric Bischoff. So history in the making as we go through here. Speaking of history in the making, we get a big debut again in our next match, the Body Donners up against the Godwins, making this the first appearance on Monday Night Raw of one Phineas I. Godwin. The Godwins are led to the ring by Hillbilly Jim, who then presents Phineas with a big gold horseshoe on a chain, sort of his lucky charm, we're told on commentary, a little bit of hillbilly tradition going on here. And when the match gets underway, Henry's all over Skip, but then goes for a press slam on Zip and eats a chop block. The heels then get a double suplex on Henry, as we see a big sign over the barricade, like on a blanket almost, draped over that says... Big boys don't play here, real men are on Raw, so no doubt that one was caught on camera purposely and may have even been planted in the crowd. Not long after this in the match, Phineas gets in the ring, hits a slop drop, one, two, three, and that's pretty much all she wrote. There wasn't a lot to this, it was more of a exhibition to debut Phineas and get the Godwins into a tag team. We are told next week we're going to see Bret Hart in a rematch up against The Undertaker, so cannot wait for that one. That'll be awesome. And then we see a recap of the Vader Gorilla Monsoon segment from last week, so really good stuff there. And we go to the first ever appearance of one Clarence Mason. 
Um, he's doing his debut as his impersonation of Johnny Cochran, which is quite timely for me because I've just finished watching uh, The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Fascinating documentary series. Highly recommend it for everybody. And him and Jim Cornette cut a promo talking about how they're challenging the suspension on Vader and they want to get him back ASAP. From there, we go to Vince McMahon introducing our new interim, interim president. They say anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. Come on, my man, shut up. Just tell us. Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. What? Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. So yet another bigger, a big occasion happening here on Raw with the reintroduction of Rowdy Roddy Piper to take the temporary place of Gorilla Monsoon, we're told, up until WrestleMania. This announcement pops the cowboy in the white gloves that I posted on Twitter earlier in the week. So if you were wondering who exactly he was jumping up and down and going nuts for, it wasn't the smoking guns, it was the hot Scott. Piper comes in and he sort of asks if this makes him Vince McMahon's boss, which gets some great facials out of Vince. Um, cuts a little bit of a good promo, but then starts rambling a little bit. Um, entertaining all the way through, though. It's typical Piper, really. And then to end the segment, picks Vince up and gives him a couple of airplane spins. So take that, Steve Austin. You're not the first man to attack Vince on Raw. And from there, the hits keep on coming. As we hear, we see the first ever vignette for another newcomer to Raw, who will be heading to the World Wrestling Federation very soon. So many of life's great questions remain unanswered. Why is the sky blue? What happened to my ear? Why am I the way I am? And why are so many people so frightened of me? I don't know. Have a nice day. That's right, Mankind's on the way, and this is beginning to feel like the WWF I know and love. From there, we go to our next big contest, Yokozuna, up against the 1996 Royal Rumble winner, the man with the title shot in the bag for now, before he defends that against Owen Hart, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels comes out, and before the match gets underway, does a really, it's a little bit of a funny spot, actually, points to himself and the crowd cheer, points to Yoko and the crowd boo, does it a few times, it's pretty amusing. Um, Yoko, however, really gets pissed off here and nails Sean with a big shoulder block. Sean comes back with some punches and eventually punches Yoko out of the ring. And I see a cameraman in the classic old WWF blue jumpsuit and I get a little bit of feel of nostalgia here again. Um, Owen Hart comes out as Sean's doing a weird victory lap around the ring for no apparent reason and we go to our first commercial break of the match. When we come back, Sean comes off the top with an axe handle, then comes off the top with a moonsault to a standing Yokozuna, which gets him a two count, before Yoko tosses Sean to the outside of the ring. Owen then throws Shawn Michaels into the ring post, and then beats on Sean while Yokozuna distracts the referee. Back in the ring, Yokozuna snapmares Sean and puts on the dreaded nerve hold, and then hits him with a back elbow, which sends HBK bouncing through the air. We go to another commercial break, and when we come back, Yoko misses a big leg drop. Shawn Michaels then misses a top rope splash, but hits a flying forearm, a couple of them actually, before Yoko catches Shawn coming off the top rope, and then holds him for Owen, who gets in the ring, goes for a spin kick, but misses and hits Yoko Zuna, and then Shawn hits him with some sweet chin music and picks up the 1-2-3. 
From there, the British Bulldog comes out and tries to stop Yoko and Owen Hart fighting, and they all turn to Shawn Michaels like they're going to go for a three-on-one assault, but this brings out Diesel, and Shawn does the absolute annoying scrappy-doo punch action towards the heels as they all decide to bail because Diesel's backing him up. He's getting a little bit cartoony here for my liking. Some of it was funny, but the end bit, uh, it's probably a time to be a little bit more serious, but hey, you know, the crowd seemed to love it, so who am I to say? Then Jim Cornette challenges Diesel and Shawn Michaels to take on the British Bulldog and Yokozuna next week. They agree, and we go to the end of the show with Diesel and Shawn posing a little bit like Edge and Christian with the pointy hands. So that does it for Monday Night Raw. Let's head over and find out which of the two shows came off the better on this night. Kicking off with the toughest category to pick this week, and that's match quality. And I've got to give this one a tie. There wasn't a lot to separate it. There were no stellar matches, but the action was decent on both shows, with nothing really separating the two. Um, We had a big money match in Hogan and Flair with a shock ending, so you've got to like that on Nitro. Whereas the wrestling in the matches here on Raw was solid as well, including the Bulldog and Diesel. There was nothing really truly outstanding on either show. They were both just decent production value I went with Raw because I hated the way Nitro ended and it was a little bit of a strange ending with a really bad Ric Flair promo so Raw was just its usual self and that's enough to get the victory on this night. The crowd heat was another tie. Um, They popped for the faces on both shows so really sort of rare um, good crowd on both nights doing what they're supposed to do and no Hulk Hogan hate this time either so that was interesting. For characters I went with Nitro because I just basically put more of their main event guys on. Raw didn't have its champion in Brett, didn't have Razor, didn't have Gold Dust who's catching fire, and didn't have The Undertaker either, so Nitro gets the win just because it had more of its main event players on board. And then storylines, I again went with Nitro. Uh, the debut of the Road Warriors, Hogan and Flair told a good story that still was going at the start and the end of the night. Uh, The Dungeon of Doom storyline with the Mega Powers is advanced. Um, The Pillman and Kevin Sullivan uh, and Anderson Triangle still going on. And Sherry and Medusa was really cool as well. Raw did advance a couple of stories, including an all-in-one sort of a two-week storyline with the Bulldog, Diesel, Yoko, Owen Hart and Shawn Michaels. Uh, But other than that, it wasn't a really storyline-driven show. So that gives narrow, narrow. That gives Nitro the narrowest of victories in this one, earning their ratings win, I have to say, if I'm being 100% honest. But it's still neck and neck, and week to week, it's hard to say which is going to be the better product of the two. That will do it for the recap of the shows. As always, you can catch us on 4CR, on Twitter, on Facebook, and once again, sending the shout-out, really trying to get a hold of some reviews at the moment. We're over 3,000 plays now, but the reviews have definitely dried up. So if you have been listening, I would very much appreciate if you drop us a review and give me a shout and let me know that you've done, and I'll talk you up on the show. Maybe even a guest spot can be organized if you're interested. So do that for us if you can. Otherwise, keep in touch. Always good to hear from you about what's going well, what needs to be improved. So definitely fire away, and I will speak to you all again very, very soon. That's the sound of the police. 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 That's the sound of the police.